I think it was Chris Brogan who said, content is an evolution. And to that I say, if content is an evolution, oh yeah, we all want to change the world. Am I right? Are you working hard to create content to change the world? Or at least to be important enough to be noticed, consumed, maybe even shared, to offer a new thought or knowledge or know-how, or even to entertain, enlighten, and inspire. I'm Sue Ann with Right Mix for Business, and I hope you are busy, like I am, out there trying to mix, sizzle, and shake your business. And you know what? Content is a major contender to help you mix, sizzle, and shake things up in your business. And Chris Brogan is exactly right in recognizing content currently in an evolutionary state, a revolutionary state, and a hot damn bing-bang hot commodity for business success. Business hinges on content. Content you offer in context text, excuse me, to your business or industry, certainly in context to your audience, and importantly, in the context to the technology landscape of today. But what's the right way to look at and handle the content you produce for your business and website? What's right? What's wrong? I'm constantly looking for best practices and benchmarks as guidance. And I'm lucky because I have a bunch of smart, top-notch friends and mentors to look up to to help me stay on top of the content creation game. But guess what? Many of them disagree on the best direction to take. Many offer contradictions, not only with each other, but sometimes even with themselves, or with long-standing industry standards as well. So, what's a poor little content creator to do? What are you going to do? Let's start with Andy Crestadinia from Orbit Media, because I go to Orbit and Andy a lot for the latest insights and data-backed information, because, well, Andy is an analytical kind of guy. But... I love when he recently admitted that the most engaging content also requires creativity and uniqueness that only comes from a personal touch. But even more interesting to me was Andy's post talking about the analytics that matter from the content you create. He says there are three major factors, three keys that matter most. What I love about Andy's post is he doesn't name anything, not one thing you might expect from the article title. It's entitled, after all, SEO Basics, which is search engine optimization, in case you don't know, um, SEO Basics, a complete guide to the three factors in search rankings. But Yay, 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 Andy, because finally someone of importance is talking about the things I believe are truly crucial, but often not acknowledged in the significant way that it deserves. The content factors that Andy identifies as the big three, hold on to your hat, they're after my own heart, and they are relativity, authority, User interaction signals. Hooray! 
Thank you, Andy. Now maybe people will believe me. Look, we've talked a lot on this podcast about relativity. That's things like making your viewer, your customer, your user, the hero of the story, making it relative and important to them, helping them out and giving them the information they need that is relative to them, reaching to their emotions and letting them know that you understand what they feel on an emotional level to make that connection. We've talked a lot about different ways to be relative to people. And we talked about ATM and attracting people by being relevant to things that they're looking to know and to find. And of course that's important in SEO, but the relativity of your content is very important in this ranking, which is a surprise, even though that's what we need to do anyway. We need to be relative to the people we're talking to. But remember too, when we talked earlier in a podcast about being relative not to everyone, we're only relative to the people that we're relative to. If we're, we also, when we use relativity, weed out the people that we're not relevant to. So relativity is a great item on this list and one that we have been talking about on the podcast. And I love that that's Andy's first factor. The second is authority. And again, in that T model of the ATM that we talked about, attract and then teach, authority comes from that T part of the model. And authority comes from when you continue to create relative content, you build your authority because people understand and learn that you know what you're talking about, that you talk to the right people, that you give the right resources, and that you understand what you're talking about in relation to the content that you're providing. And often, in also in context with the product you're talking about, or with the service you provide, or with the industry that you're in. All these things that you have that are the know-how about your passion, let's hope hope what you do is your passion, I know for me it is, that is the thing that helps you build your authority because you know about it. You want to know about it and you're letting other people know about it and they realize you know about it. So you are developing authority and when people start linking to you and mentioning you, wow, more authority, more um, more visibility from that authority. And so that's a good thing. I feel like I've been gaining some of that because I have people interviewing me and asking me to, to be um, an expert um, and be interviewed um, or to do an article that they're focusing on on me or, you know, including me in a lesson or a blog post that shows that I'm learning from them and I'm part of that community and that in turn gives me authority because that, that's them stating that yes, I do this with them and learn this from them. So even if I'm getting a link or getting some acknowledgement from people in that way, it's still helping to build my authority and of course relativity in my field. Now, What's the final thing Andy mentions? User interaction signals. And this is a tricky one because sometimes those signals are measured in different ways. Sometimes a lot of the conversation about something that you create happens off of media. And so maybe the world may not understand the relevance and the authority that has created this interaction with people, they aren't seeing all the signals, but if you're seeing them, that's the first step. If you're getting interaction, if you're having social media interaction, email interaction, um, getting 
information or people are asking for information with your contact forms, if you're getting phone calls, if you're being called upon um, and shared in what you have to say and what you're talking about, those are part of the social interactive signals. If you get comments on your posts, um, I believe you should reply to comments. Some of the big guys don't. And they say comments are good and you want to have interaction, but they aren't interacting acting with you if they don't reply to your comment. Some of you may want to take a note, you big shots. But these are signals to you that, and to Google and to SEO that you have interaction about your content. So user interaction signals are, are really important. And I know one of my earliest influences regarding web content creation and web writing, the fu funny Ann Handley agrees. I know she agrees with all these things that Andy said. She wrote the book called Everybody Writes, and I recommend it to everybody who writes, okay? I model quite a few things that I use in my writing craft from Anne, even throwing her under the bus when I purposely break rules in writing. I say, saying, you know, Anne Hanley says I'm allowed, so I use her to overrule, say, the, say, say the New York Times style book or the collegiate grammar that I'm overruling on purpose. I say, Anne Hanley says it's okay. But Anne also warns writers and creators to slow down. Quality beats quantity. And I feel like Anne kind of endorses thoughtful content, if you will. And I love this quote from a recent webinar with Anne, quoting Anne Handley now. Quote, content blooms everywhere, even in unexpected places, unquote. And that quote and Anne's affinity with words, word use and meaning and color in the written word confirms, I think, a thoughtful approach to content. And again, I take this cue from Anne in my own work as well. Another point Anne makes and often is the fact that all content starts with excellent writing. To me, that makes the skill the craft, the thoughtful approach to writing all the more important. Writing is the base of your content pyramid. And even though Anne's book says everybody writes, that simply doesn't mean everybody should, okay? <laughs> this is where I challenge my friend Anna Hoffman, who crazily says even a dog can write, and I'm quoting that as well. And of course, I'm going to have to disagree with that. But Anna, like Anne, agrees with quality over quantity for a winning formula. She even did an experiment proving it on her own high-traffic blog, Traffic Generation Cafe. Anna found that while frequency in posting on her blog increased overall traffic, the quality of her traffic decreased dramatically. Conversions decreased also, even though she had so many more visitors, much to her surprise. So, any traffic or traffic volume may not be what's most important for your business. This is more proof supporting what Andy tackles in his post. Here's more from Andy's post. He says this. I'm quoting Andy Crestedinia again. Uh, checking to see if you rank is probably the worst way to track success. Leads and sales from organic search traffic is probably the best. And then there are several metrics in between. 
He gives a list of questions and the reports in analytics where you'll find the answers to help you determine if your content is really viable, if it really is quality, if it is giving the signals that you need for SEO and more importantly for people and customers. Okay, so he says, did your work lead to changes in visibility or search? You look at acquisition in your search console, you look at your landing pages, and you see your impressions before and after. He says, did your work lead to changes in traffic from search? Again, acquisition, this time look at channels for organic traffic before and after your content or your changes or your, uh, you know, the way that you're doing it with your SEO and making sure that your content is top shelf. And then ask your yourself, did visitors from search take action? This is conversions. So this is your goals. If you're not getting conversions from your traffic, if you're not getting any, any result, any, any action, then your content isn't definitely meeting that third and final signal. And, and you have to wonder, is it meeting the others as well? So did the content, is his next question, did the content that attracts visitors from search also attract subscribers? And that's what it's all about, right? You want to get subscribers. It's all 100% measurable, okay? Now, if you're having any confusion, Andy suggests you pick up his content chemistry book on Amazon. Everyone I've talked to that read it and knows about it says it's super fab. I don't have it yet, but content chemistry on Amazon will help you with more insights from Andy. But heck, I get insights from Andy off his blog constantly, just like I do off of Anne's newsletter and just like I do off of Anna's communications as well. Um, but here's the thing. Social signals also tell you about how you're doing in relevance Okay, and so it helps you analyze the content that most resonates with your audience, right? So also, if you're still not worrying about Google, your social media channel, inter, if, you're, if you're not worrying about Google, your social, your social media channels, excuse me, and your social me media interactivity is a factor to Google, okay? And by the way, social media content has taken on a life of its own, but that's another show. So what am I getting to? Well, for one thing, content is a lot bigger than Google, okay? It's bigger than Google. And what I mean first and foremost is almost no one really wants to produce content do you for a search engine, for an algorithm? No, but what you do want and need to do is to produce content for your particular audience and to appeal solely to them. There's not one formula to do this, though. One of my favorite mentors and buddies is Henneke D of Enchanted Marketing, and, and she's a perfect example. First, she did do something in creating a consistent content schedule, and I mean consistent like clockwork for her highly engaged audience. But Henneke's regular and trusted schedule is way less aggressive than, say, my friend Lisa Sickard on Inspire to Thrive's blog, which is a content-producing powerhouse, bringing it a wide and faithful audience. Lisa has also, though, other contributors to her blog, and that's also another reason she can offer more quality content and more often, I think, too. But on the other end of the spectrum are folks, folks like Brian Dean and Anna, who publish a few powerhouse posts and drive more traffic than all of us. And they only do a few, 
Anyway, then back to the other side of the spectrum, there's Mark Schaefer, who I really love, who predominantly writes most of his own daily posts on his Grow blog. Woo! And they are all good. All of them. So, I'm not used to a schedule, and I know myself well enough to admit it. I feel I want to publish on my blog only when I have something very worthwhile to offer. But I'm also thinking the thoughtful, quality-driven, high-value approach to my blog has guided me so far. Also, client work takes precedence, and it should. Then again, going all the way back to Anne Handley again, she put herself on a new blog schedule, or maybe it's newsletter, but Anarchy, as she calls it, is now delivered fortnightly, which means every two weeks. See, I told you Anne was a word girl. By the way, subscribe to Anne's blog. It will make you laugh and cry, I promise, and turn you, and turn you on to something you didn't know yet for sure. But Anne says she wanted to self-impose a new consistent deadline. Well, sort of for her own good. To oil her maybe squeaky writing muscle and grow by making herself go back to the roots of all her writing craft. And like Anne does, it gets me thinking. Even though I haven't grown out of writing as a regular diet, diet like world-hopping marketing keynote presenter Anne, I have recently learned that when I really need to get something done on my own site or projects, I need to schedule myself like I do if I were working for a client. I've even created pro- proposals for projects to keep me on task and following a prescribed workflow like I would for a client. So, thinking about self-imposing a schedule is something I'm considering and thinking about whether, and you should probably think about too actually, whether you need to nail down that content schedule for your own good too. Think about it. Maybe Mike Alton from the Social Media Hat can help if you want to commit to set a deadline for yourself. I'm so happy we connected on Facebook because that's where I caught a video with Mike's savvy blog, Posting Advice. He says, write consistently for creating your blog content by writing things without going hog wild crazy in research land, where we all know it's easy to get lost for days at a time, right? Mike suggests, though, that you write from what you know, what you have in your head, as you understand your subject matter. Something that, oh my goodness, he does. uh, Did he say this? Yes, yes he did. Something without any links. Oh my word. What? Hmm. You know, there is a lot of stuff in my head, Mike. How hard is it? so you say, to get something usable and worthwhile done while sitting down an hour and just doing it. Well, for me, it may take more than an hour, but I think Mike will let me slide if I start with the the goal of, say, one sitting instead of one hour, because, you know, I said I know myself. <laughs> okay, so one sitting per whatever that's about writing for my own blog. But Lisa thinks I need to post more, too. So, Anne gave herself a schedule, and Henneke makes every deadline for her site no matter what. 
Mark writes so often, it blows my mind. But hey, he's not afraid to skip the links some days, just like Mike tells us is okay. Your content schedule is about two things, your audience and your business content strategy. Being unique in combining the two is your secret ingredient. For example, and now back again to Henneke, her latest accomplishment incorporates her blog's signature design, which is based on Henneke's info drawings, featuring her hand-drawn character named Henrietta. Henrietta is like a blog mascot in a way and helps Henneke illustrate ideas and points from her writing. And Henrietta is now a recognizable part of the enchanted chanting marketing signature look. Henneke can add illustrator to her title as Henrietta becomes known. So go check out Henneke's enchanting marketing blog to see and feel Henrietta's impact or grab a mug with one of her designs for your creator's desk for extra inspiration. Oh, and look for my smiling face in the mugshot gallery. Now, to get back to creating winning content for your business, there's something else to think about. Something that seems to me, uh, to get me, excuse me, in trouble again and again. But I'm feeling stronger and stronger in my conviction to say. Because doing your content to be the same, to follow the dictated and accepted formula, to go with the rules or someone else's set standards or based on them is a mistake. Be original, creative, helpful, and valuable to others. Exciting, entertaining, and inspiring is the way to go. Craft content that rumbles, tumbles, explores, and roars. Dare to lead the content evolution. Go ahead then and mix, sizzle, and shake your business with quality writing, unique content, and creativity. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. Thanks for checking out this Right Mix for Business presentation. Remember, if you need to bling your blog or you need help with any content assets for your business, write, mix, for business. Yep!